This is October 11th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. Hope you guys are having a great day, a great week, and it is the beginning of the NHL regular season. How sweet it is. And the Bruins obviously open up play on Wednesday night against the Capitals, and Connor Ryan will be there, who is on uh, this episode of Bruins Beat. And uh, it is a great time of year. I always love this. Everything's fresh and new and uh, the, the hopes are so high, as you'll see in this episode. Um, the expectations are quite high for this team. Uh, and we went through our predictions. We went over biggest questions. Uh, we took some, we did some bold predictions. We did some uh, not so bold ones. So all over the map here, you can throw them right back in our face if they don't happen. But if they do happen, you do have to reference us. So if, if, the, if some of these come true, you got to give us credit for it. All I'm saying is you got to give us a little bit of credit for it. Because as you loyal listeners know, in the past, we haven't always been amazing with predictions, specifically me. Uh, anyways, uh, without further ado, I don't want to leave you waiting any longer. Here is my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. How excited are you? You get to go to Washington. Boots are going to be firmly on the ground uh, for opening night on Wednesday. Last time, we don't talk about the last time the Bruins had an opening night in Washington. I don't think they finished the game. They didn't finish that game. Yeah, they just never got around to it. I don't know whether it's just that the ice was crappy. I, I don't know what really happened there but i will say it was the start of a pretty solid season so if you want to draw a little a little parallel there maybe mm-hmm. but we'll see hopefully they at least finish this game that's the most important thing right now yes hopefully as long as they finish it you know it'll be good you know last time again they just didn't finish it crazy uh anyways uh, th- we do a preview and predictions episode every year uh, I don't remember our predictions from last year. I imagine some were right and some were probably very, very wrong. We always like to revisit the predictions. So I'll make sure to note these uh, when we go back and look at them in like January. But I got to say, Connor, for the questions I have for today and uh, some of the, the, you know, the big predictions we're going to make, I think I'm going to be right on a few of these. And by a few, I mean like most. I, th- I have high confidence. Calm down here, Evan. In this, right. I have high confidence in this, which is which is maybe I guess a precursor for me being wrong on a lot of these. Um, like I think it was the the season that was cut short due to the pandemic. I think it was 2021 when I said uh, Jake DeBrusque will lead the Bruins in goals. So uh, that was that's what I'll always be known for. That's okay. Shoot for the stars, Evan. There's nothing wrong with that. I tried my best. You know, I try to bring you guys the best. And you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So we have a list of questions. Some of these, you know, are like Bruins MVP. Some of them are more player-centric. Uh, so we'll start with this one, because Cam Neely mentioned it at Media Day on Monday, uh, saying that, you know, it wasn't totally out of their own possibility. This might be the last run uh, for David Krejci, Patrice Bergeron. So I will ask you, Connor Ryan, is, it, is this the final year? Is this it for Krejci and Bergeron? What do you think? I think so. I think especially you look at Bergeron, who – was coming off of a season that was arguably his best all around year at, at age 36. I mean, put it together one of the best defensive seasons from a forward 
and still kind of took his time to see where he was at. And when you just look at going through another 82 game season, another gauntlet of injuries. And even if you're not on the injury report, none of those guys, when you get to April, May, even June, especially are, are feeling hundred percent, right. It takes a toll on you to get through a full uh, NHL season. So I think especially in Bergeron's case, as much as, you know, you, you paint their nar- that narrative of, of winning another Stanley Cup, look at both those players. They've accomplished pretty much everything they want to. I mean, uh, Bergeron's won World Juniors. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's won Olympic gold, five Selkies. At this point, it's just, you know, hopefully getting back here for one last run. But I, I think if the Bruins fall short this year, we're, you know, regardless of where they end up at the end of this season, I think Bergeron can look back, say that, you know, he held off, you know, retirement for one more year, made another good run at it with uh, core players that he's played most of his career with and kind of moves on from there. I- I'd probably put it at like 85% of the Bergeron's retiring and then maybe like 70 for Krejci. I feel like Krejci is at peace with whatever happens, but we'll see. If he goes to a full season with Taylor Hall and David Pasternak on his line and he racks up 75, 80 points or something like that, maybe he thinks about it again. Like, oh, I could... Maybe I shouldn't have signed for $1 million. Maybe I'll come back for just a little bit extra cash just to give myself a little bit more of a cushion once I do retire. So I think it's likely both do, but if you had to put percentages-wise on it, I'd probably give Bergeron a much more likely chance of uh, hanging up his skates at the end of this year. See, maybe I'm looking too much into what happened this past offseason, but Krejci's whole thing was I'm really only coming back if Bergeron does. And I kind of look at it the same of if Bergeron goes, I think Krejci's for sure gone, and I think Bergeron goes. I think Bergeron retires. You, as you said, you look at this offseason, him being very, you know, took, took, you know, took his time, very close to retirement. There were even reports that, you know, indicated he was kind of leaning towards retirement, decides to come back. I think Krejci follows him. I don't see a world. I mean, again, I think the Bruins would benefit heavily if Bergeron left and Krejci said, no, I want to stick around, you know, for a year or two more years. Because again, you know, now you only have to kind of replace one top six center and not both. I think the Bruins would love for that to be the case. Uh, but again, I think Krejci follows Bergeron out the door. And I think that's, what's going to happen. I just, again, I look at this off season. I look how close it was. Um, and again, and we were saying this all summer, Bergeron's played a long time, you know, since 2004, 2003. I mean, like it's been a long career, a lot of miles on that body. And I just, I look at them and I both say, this is it. This is the last dance for them. And you know what? Fans should be appreciative of it. Yes. What you get, you know, most likely you're going into this. This is it. This is the final swan song year. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Because guess what? As we've said this multiple times since we started podcasting together, this probably isn't going to happen again. This is kind of a one, one generation kind of thing where you have two really good centers. Enjoy it. Cause this is probably it just given off of kind of what both have said their ages um, and how long both have been playing. So, uh, and you know what, as I said, like good for them for coming back. It'll be very interesting, fun to watch throughout the year. And I think that, and we'll get into how that impacts them in the grand scheme of things um, later in this episode. So another question I want to tackle, which I think Bruins fans hope this is kind of one that gets answered quickly. Uh, when does David Pasternak resign? And I'll go first with this one. Um, and what's interesting with this is, you know, I, Sweeney mentioned on Monday that, hey, you know, we're okay with going into the regular season. We've both kind of said... <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you really want to do that. Um, you don't want a chance injury. You don't want a chance, you know, a bad start. God forbid, you know, if they start out like terrible, which I don't think they will, but if they did, 
I mean, is he really going to be that eager to put pen to paper on a team that, you know, started out that bad? Again, not saying they're going to, but you, you just, these are things you chance. They seem comfortable with it. Postrocks left it up to his agent. Uh, I think it comes out sometime in mid in, in mid to late October. I think it, it'll be like shortly after the regular season begins. I think you'll see uh, David Poshnok put pen to paper. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I agree that I think it's something where so much is working in both the team and Pasternak's favor in terms of, you know, what he's already said in terms of he's not really sweating the contract talks, knows he's going to get a nice little pay bump, uh, loves the market, loves playing here. Just seems like something has to go drastically wrong to to have this all kind of um un you know unravel i guess in terms of their contract talks and i don't think this is going to be a situation like you see with the red Sox, where it's like oh of course they're going to sign him and they give them uh, a low ball contract that's so insulting the player and the agent are like screw you guys we don't want to talk anymore yeah i don't think that's going to be the case i think pasternak is going to get paid um with whatever the bruins are are going to toss out there in terms of their offer and what they hope he eventually signs um but I agree with you. I, I think it's a situation where, sure, Sweeney says the Bruins aren't worried about this carrying into the regular season. Pasternak doesn't seem like he's that worried about it. But as you said, you don't want to be 10, 8, and 3 in the middle of November and start having that discourse about, well, if they're going to be like this, they got to trade Pasternak. Or have it be after every single game where Pasternak scores a hat trick being like, that's another 300K to add on top of his uh, annual cap hit, right? Like that, those are things that are going to be part of the equation, are going to be part of the narrative all season long with each passing day that Pasternak's still a pending UFA. So I agree with you. I think even if the Bruins are accepting of the fact this is going to carry into the regular season, I have to imagine they put forth the best effort to get this done soon. I mean, if you look at like a, a set, if we're doing like predictions, I'll say the Friday before the seat, the home opener. Oh, little, so like, good, so like this week. Yeah. A good little like lead into, uh, to games back at TD God. And how about that? I'll toss maybe, that one out there. Yeah. Maybe, you know, they are pretty good. At so, they're very good at social media and they're good at, and that's one thing they've been very good at in the past couple of years. They have a great crew over there. Maybe they're like, Hey, let's make a big announcement with this. Like let's get people hyped before the, cause you know, it's a home opening game, but it's against the coyotes. So it's, you know, it's not a huge matchup. Right. I mean, they'll, they'll win it like seven to one, but again, like it's not a huge matchup. It's not, you know, it's not the Maple Leafs or anything. Maybe that'll kind of get fans, you know, stoke the flames a bit. Yeah. So maybe they're doing that. I can't imagine. I think they would announce the minute it was signed. <laughs> I don't think that they're really doing I, that. I would hope they would do it before because if Pasta scores like five goals against that, that bootleg Arizona team, it just means <laughs> price of the bricks going up, Evan. Ve- Vegas would do something like that. Vegas yes. would, would save a contract solely to announce it on social media. Um, but yes, I do think that. I think it's a good prediction. I think it comes in. Again, like end, you know, mid to late October. I don't have a specific day or date in mind. I do have a number in mind, though. I'm going to say it's eight years, 11 million per. That's what I think it's going to end up being. What do you think? I think it's going to be right around there. I think the days of hoping it's going to be under double digits in terms of an annual payout. Yeah. Have come and gone. No, like, those, as much as that's wishful thinking, <laughs> I, I just don't think it's going to be a situation where it's going to just be realistic when you look at just the state of the market. The state of even if Pasternak is willing to take a pay cut, honestly, if he takes 10 at this point, I think it's probably viewed as a uh, below market value to what he's going to get as a, a UFA. I mean, you look at just his baseline stats, offensive production, uh, his marketability as a player, all those things. Um, it all leads to it being a, a guy that teams are going to put at the top of their whiteboard when it comes to free agent targets, if he gets to that point. So I agree. I'll do eight 
888. How about that? Perfect. Fair perfect. enough. It'll be perfect just for him. Uh, and again, there's a, again, you have like Patrick Kane is a free agent next off season. So uh, I, I don't think you want to add Pasternak to that list of, you don't ever want to let him get to free agency. That would be a very poor idea, but we're talking about really good ideas. And, and these are ideas, you know, that'll make you feel even better than when David Pasternak resigns. Talking about our good friends over at Athletic Greens, our next partner as a product I use every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted better gut health. I wanted more energy. I don't drink coffee or use caffeine because I wanted healthier natural energy. And AG1 has been providing it in droves. Doesn't taste like it's super healthy or anything either. Has that mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to every morning. The tropics, just like that. Makes you feel like you're there just like Connor is right now. I'm actually so, in Barnstable. Yes. <laughs> has Barnstable right now, actually. Looks beautiful. The yes. palm trees the palm trees in Barnstable are yes. my favorite, I must admit. It's perfect hyenas weather. Yes. Oh, yes. This is a prime hyenas weather. Uh, so what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75. Yes, 75. Connor, you can count them all. High quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source adaptogens, uh, probiotics, and ingredients to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. All the things. All the things. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, contains less than a gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting really good. It's as natural as the northern lights behind you. It's beautiful. It's great transition. It's a great transition. This all supports better sleep quality and mental clarity right now. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. Literally just one scoop. That's it. Just like hitting the whip (laughs) right in. We did it. We have done it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Bruins. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash Bruins. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Boom. Easy. Hitting, like hitting the whip <laughs> right on the right on the outdoor ice. You're just hitting all the backgrounds today. Uh, anyways, anyways, um, here's the big question that I always get wrong, but I think I'm going to get this right this year. Who leads the Bruins in goals? I will let you go first. I would bet we have the same answer. <laughs> Stephen Pasternak. Yeah, I don't think there's any <laughs> doubt on this. Like it's Pasternak, full I year, mean, revitalized. Think, yeah, being back with David Krejci, Taylor Hall, you look at, whatever tweaks they end up doing to the power play, um, you know, adding new looks to a unit that got pretty stale, especially at the end of last season. Uh, and, you know, Pasternak has talked about this already, but just the fact that he's going into this year beyond just the the contract stuff, which he's clearly not, you know, occu- it's not occupying a whole bunch of his, you know, headspace in terms of getting ready for the start of this year for him. Uh, having a whole summer to kind of decompress after what has obviously been a couple of very, very trying years for him uh, and his family. Uh, I think just the clean slate, getting those uh, reps with Krejci and, and Hall, it all leads to a situation where health, you know, health permitting, of course, um, I think he, he could be due for uh, another strong season. And this is a guy that really struggled for extended stretches last year, especially at the start of the year and still kind of fell backwards into a 40 goal season. Right. And so oh, if he's healthy and has a better supporting cast around him, 
again, we always say, is this the year he hits 50? If he's going to play 75 plus games, I don't know how you don't, uh, you know, view that as being almost inevitable in terms of he's going to get those reps. And he's playing with David Krejci and Taylor Hall. Like, I, I think this is an easy and Zach going to start the other. I think this is an e- like an easy 50 goals. And that's why I see a lot of these betting odds out there don't have Pasternak in among the, the people competing for most goals. You know, obviously Matthews is the favorite. I don't think that's any like, you know, duh. But I still look at Pasternak and say the circumstances are there. That if you're like if you're placing a bet, and this isn't even a segue to <laughs> to to our next sponsor later, I'll talk about later. But like it, it, that's an easy bet because these odds are not are not like terrific. They're not high. Yeah. Um. They're, they're not at the top. So yeah, I don't see how Poshnok doesn't lead the Bruins in goals this year unless you know, like I I mean Marchand's missing a, a portion of the year, so he's out of it. Bergeron's never a goal scoring leader. DeBrusque would have to go off. Taylor Hall again is more of a playmaker, you know. So then that's it. Like I, I don't put any of the bottom stick. You know, say Jay Greer going to lead the Bruins in goals. You know, Craig Smith just going to shoot the puck from everywhere. It's going to magically go in. So like to me, it's Pasternak. I think he should lead the Bruins in goals. Um, what do you think the number eventually is? Because this is where we can kind of go look back on. What do you think the number eventually is? I'll say fifty-one. I'll say fifty-four. I'm going to say he has a, I'm going to say I'll go a little higher. I think he's going to have a really good year. I think every, the circumstances like, like Jake DeBrus with 27 goals a game, I think all circumstances are pointing towards uh, a good place for Pasternak this year. Again, hopefully no injuries, you know, that's the big thing, but I think um, everything is pointing in that direction uh, where he is uh, leading the Bruins in goals. Who do you think second? I know I'm throwing this at, we didn't prepare for second. I, I just kind of thought of that, but who do you think comes in second? I'll go with DeBrusque with 33. Okay. That's legitimate. I, I, you know, I, just to be different, I'll say Taylor Hall with, with, uh, with 32. I'll say Taylor Hall with 32. I would also Bergeron's in that category. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to be all over the bumper. So there's always that you know, Bergeron's, you know, not a sniper as you guys know, but like he does, he is good at putting pucks in the back of that. Like they always find a way in. So um, I, I put Bergeron in the top three, probably maybe third. Um, again, that's because Marsh hands out for, you know, right. yeah. Brandon Carlo fourth, obviously. Derek Forbert fifth, and um, you get you going off top. You going Nick Foligno fifth. Nick Foligno sixth. You predict everyone's. Yeah. <laughs> We're going person by person. Um, in net though, who will be better, Swayman or Olmark? Who's gonna be? Because last year again, it was pretty even. I'm going to say that Swayman will take a slight step forward this year, but I also don't think he's going to separate himself from the pack. I don't think it's going to be a situation where, as much as I think the Bruins are hoping for there to be a little bit of separation where it's, I think, going to the playoffs as a defined 1A, 1B. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think both guys are going to take, you know, marginal uh, steps forward in terms of their play. I think Swayman, it's just natural to expect that as a a guy coming off of a a full season in the NHL, or at least mostly full season. Look past the little Tuka storyline that – that popped up there, but I mean, he's, he's playing the drums now. He's good. It's true. He's over at Loretta's put on a show. Um, <laughs> but I think you look at Swayman and the strides that he can make this year. It's to be expected, but I also think Olmark's a guy that, you know, he talked about a little bit last year, just the adjustment of going from a situation in Buffalo and a market there and a place where the expectations weren't particularly high and adjusting to Boston and a little bit of the challenge involved in that. And so far he seems to be a lot more, relaxed or at least better equipped to kind of handle the the rigors or the expectations of being in Boston. So that's not to say that I think they're both going to, you know, make runs towards the Vezina, but I think both are going to be very, very solid goaltenders. And I don't think 
as much as maybe the Bruins or especially some fans hope that Swayman vaults into the the top 10 tier or anything like that. I still think it's going to be a lot of pretty even back and forth where both guys are kind of riding the, the hot streaks, the slumps. And you hope if you're the Bruins, you just kind of time those out. Well, that during like, like it was last year where a lot of times yeah. was struggling. You had each of them kind of propping each other up during the many, you know, peaks and valleys that come with an 82 game season. Swayman takes a small step forward. Omar, I wouldn't say takes a step back. I just think Swayman's a lit, like an edge better. I don't think it's anything obvious, but again, it's his second full year. I expect, as you said, some slumps. I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I see that happening. Um, and I don't think it's a big red flag if it does. Now, if Swayman comes out in his Carter Hart of what, like two years ago, was it when yeah. he was just horribly bad? And I don't think that'll happen, right? Like there's an actual defense in front of him, good coaching staff. Like there's a, there's a real kind of a, um, he, he's, he's not sheltered, but he doesn't have the flyers around him. I think he'll be, I think he'll be a-okay um, in that. But I do think Swayman takes a small step forward. And again, as I said, I think it was, Either poke the bear or Bruins beat last week. Like I think they would like a guy to emerge as a certain starter. Um, and again, Montgomery at the time of recording has yet to announce a starter. I would imagine it would be Swayman. Just guessing, but I'd, I'd like, yeah. I like. I genuinely don't know where he really stands on that. Yeah, um, I, I think Omar's probably had the slightly better camp in terms of maybe just overall preseason games. But again, it's it's not like it's one clear situation where it's you know it's pretty easy to map out. And it could also very well be kind of what they did early last year, where it was a lot of Swain would get some home games, build some of that momentum for him. And usually it was Olmark getting some of those kind of tougher road matchups. These are a lot of that kind of player last year. Would not be surprised if something similar happens this uh, this season as well, at least to start this season. Yeah. Safe bet, though, that the Bruins will have someone in that on Wednesday night. Safe I would bet hope so. <laughs> that there's a goalie, right? Safe bet that there's someone in that. Uh, we're talking really safe bets. So even safer than that. Even safer than that, talk about our good friends over at Bet Online. Football back. Patriots look pretty good. Zappy, Zappy fever. fever. Everyone's That's got really it. Really scary. You both said at the same time. Everyone's got it. You were there. I mean, you were struck. It was like a bolt of lightning hit you. I mean, my goodness. I. It was just you know. I if I was there, I mean, I would have been hit with it too. Uh, Bet Online, your number one source for all your football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest uh, football odds, news, game matchups, including. Uh, next week's games and matchups, which are particularly interesting. Does Mac Jones start? Is Bailey Zappi still playing? What's going on there? Anyways, BetOnline is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and some golf. And obviously, obviously, the NHL and hockey. Start, actually, this drops Tuesday, so it... First day of the season, Tuesday. So go make some bets uh, with us. So head to Bet Online and join uh, and receive your 50% welcome bonus with that first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Again, promo code CLNS50 to get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game stats. Where the game stats. So uh, lots of interesting stuff with that. Uh, now I want to go to some. Under the radar people, unsung hero. And I look at this as someone who uh, is going to do a lot of valuable things that don't maybe show up on the score sheet uh, or, or maybe even do, but don't get a lot of credit for it. And my pick might be a little unpopular because you might say how oh, this person might not be unsung. But my first pick is Taylor Hall. 
And I know, again, like it's kind of weird because he's a top six forward. He's paid well. He's high profile kind of guy. But I feel like a lot of the focus is not fully on him. And I think he is going to be someone who is a vital part to the Krejci line. I think he is going to be producing all season. I think it, it, everything points well for a good season for him. But we've been talking about Krejci and Pasternak and Bergeron and when does Marshan return and Jake DeBrus, but we really don't touch on Taylor Hall because you kind of expect it. And I, st- I see a really good season out of him, you know, 65, 70 points, maybe more, 80. I mean, like, you hope you get that out of him. And I think he is, he's my, he's my pick for unsung hero solely because I think we're going to be talking a lot about the other guys because Taylor Hall is going to be that good. I think a lot of assists this year, especially setting up uh, number 88. What do you think? I'm going to go on the third line and not Charlie Coyle, who I think everyone's expecting to be the guy to drive that line. And it's kind of what we talked about on poke the bear, that that third line is going to be key in terms of really getting that consistent secondary scoring that has usually doomed this team in the past. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Craig Smith. I think Craig Smith is a guy that, um, again, you tend to notice him out on the ice because he's usually, you know, moving his feet. He's active on the forecheck. He's shooting from legitimately every angle possible when he has the puck on his stick. Um, But he's a guy that, especially on that third line, is going to be tasked with kind of being that finisher. Uh, As much as you look at Pavel Zaka, and he's a guy that, you know, Jim Montgomery and I think even Don Sweeney have mentioned that they want him to shoot more. I still think it's probably he's going to be deferring a lot to a guy that kind of peppers the net in, in Craig Smith once he eventually settles in on that third line. And I think you just look at Craig Smith's track record in terms of being a guy that gives you 15 goals. Um, you know, he's hit that mark, I think, seven times in his career. Um, you look at just the way he ended last year, which was brutal. I mean, you can't put in it like did not offer much during that that Carolina series, but he's a guy that Bruins still seem to be uh, committed to in terms of that third line role. Um, tends to usually doesn't take nights off, uh, you know, a consistent kind of spot plug you need further down the line. But I think he's best suited for like a third line role consistently all year. So I'm not expecting him to like all of a sudden his value to soar where he gives you 25 goals. But if he gives you 17, 18, 19 goals, uh, consistent minutes on that third line, I think he can bring a lot of value once again to a third line that you desperately need to get going here this season. Craig Smith is a good pick. Um, my other pick would have been Derek Forbert. I think Derek Forbert, again, he's an unsung hero in general, but I think he could be someone that eats a lot of minutes, especially uh, at the start of the year without McAvoy, killing penalties, things like that. Good at the end of the year last year, kind of seemed to get better as time went along. We don't talk about him much. I don't think we've talked about him at all, <laughs> in the, in, or you know, much in the in the preseason. You know, maybe makes an impact. Uh, is an unsung, an unsung hero. My God, I can't speak. Um, breakout candidate who takes a big step forward. This can be a young guy. This could be someone who's going to, you know, uh, make a bigger mark. Who would be your pick for that? I'm going to actually go with um, Jakob Zaboro, which I know might be a little bit controversial because his stock this preseason has kind of gone. After Neely's comments on 2015 today, people are going to be like, I can't believe yeah. it. And, I, I, up. and it, it is unfortunate because, you know, he had such a really strong start to the preseason. And I mean, he has uh, dipped quite a bit these last two games. Uh, based on what Jim Montgomery said after uh, Saturday's preseason finale, it does seem like the Bruins are expecting some of these bumps in the road for a guy coming off of ACL surgery, a guy that, you know, even though he really impressed last year in those 10 games still has not, you know, established himself as an everyday NHL. So they do know there's going to be these kinds of uh, peaks and valleys in terms of his play, but 
I think he's a guy that when you look at that sample size he put forth last year and how effective he can be when it comes to just playing to his strengths of, you know, making the smart, simple pass, aiding in transition. Uh, he's a guy that's a lot more physical than I think people realize in terms of, just, you know, he's especially on this decor where you're not really known for a lot of heavy hitters. Um, I think Zabro can bring that uh, in spurts. I, I think he's a guy that could really be a dependable option on that blue line that, as we've said plenty of times already, is not going to be settled for a couple of months here, considering you don't know uh, when, you know, Grizzly gets back, which should be in a few weeks, but McAvoy and those pieces that fall into place. I think if Zaboral can kind of step into that role and be a third pairing regular and play that style of play that he had during that stretch last November, December, a lot of value into what he brings to this team. Again, just coming from the fact that you didn't expect anything out of him for the last bunch of years. So you're, you're getting something from him. And we've talked about this multiple times, but my get my candidate is kind of an obvious one. Pavel Zaka. I think Zaka is completely set up for success. You know, the check, the checks mix line to start the year. Uh, once he goes down to the third line with Coyle and Smith, like the makings are there for a 40 to 50 point season. Like, I think that is a realistic expectation. I know a lot of devils fans would say like, you're an idiot. You know, he was a no show here, but I think like there is the personnel here to make him good. And I think, it's it's funny because in past years they've had a lot of inconsistent forwards who have missed the mark points wise feels like he's going to be different especially with a new coaching staff like i do think um he's set up to post a lot of points this year so he would be my my candidate for a, for a breakout candidate the question is what contract he gets at the end of the year that's the real question i yes. think um that we're going to probably talk about throughout the season i think every time he has a good game we're going to be like oh more money for Zaka this offseason, you know, or, and I think also this year, an interesting storyline to watch. We're not going to discuss it now because, again, saving stuff for down the road. But if he does really well this year, I think there's going to be a lot of questions of, all right, Krejci and Bergeron are gone. Is this guy a legitimate second line center? Can the Bruins pencil him in, you know, for the next three years as a legitimate 2C? Um, and again, I don't think we're going to see a lot of him at center this year. So I don't think that's going to help because you're going to, you might be got, you know, he might be at the wing all year. At least that's what it looks like now. So, and then my other candidate's AJ Greer. I think AJ Greer could, you know, on the third line in practice right now. We've talked about him quite a bit. Brings a certain quality to this lineup that's kind of been lacking. And if he can do it and produce, oh boy, Bruins fans are going to absolutely love him. So uh, we'll go with that. Uh, quickly, who is your Bruins MVP? Well, not quickly. You can actually, no, let's do points first. Who leads the Bruins in points? I'm going to say Pasternak. I think when you just look at the amount of reps he's going to get on that second line, plus the fact that um, he'll get, you know, a featured role in that power play once again. I mean, I, I think that second line is due to really do a lot of damage uh, in their spot, especially with David Krejci back there. I did a bull prediction post over at Boston Sports Journal. I had Krejci hitting 80 points first time in his career, just because I think when you just look at the firepower, around him coupled with the fact that I imagine Jim Montgomery is going to give them a whole bunch of ozone stats. Um, I think it, it just caters to the fact that, I, you know, Pasternak as the, you know, given finisher on that line, um, you know, 51 goals and we're looking at 40 assists, not, not out of the question, especially when you got other guys that can finish and Krejci and Hall on his line, but I'll go with Pasternak leading the way. I go with Pasternak as well. I also put him as my MVP, which I assume you probably do as well. I, I'll put I'll put McAvoy in in terms of I think when you okay. look at the Bruins treading water um, going into the season uh, by mid late uh, November, I just think what McAvoy brings 
day in and day out is it's something you can't really replicate. And the Bruins have depth options. They have guys that can roll into the lineup, but no one can kind of bring what he brings in terms of all around game, shut down, physicality, transition, uh, ability, you know, on the power play. Um, and every year it seems like he takes another step forward in all those facets of his game. So I think he's the guy that you desperately need back here to really kind of stabilize things down the, the final stretch of the season. I have McAvoy as well, but I'm going to say Lindholm. I think Kevin Lindholm's got to hold down the fort a bit for those, you know, treading water months. And then I think once it gets back, you know, if they can put that super pairing together with McAvoy, you know, and, and Lindholm is going at the rate that he's at, that's an MVP candidate right there. So again, I, I mean, I have McAvoy as well. And I agree with you on all those fronts. I think we both love McAvoy. I think everybody loves McAvoy, but I put Lindholm in that category as well of someone who could potentially be uh, an MVP candidate this year. So it seems like Pasternak, McAvoy, Lindholm for MVP candidates, at least among the two of us. Um, Question, where do they finish in the Atlantic? Where do you have them finishing? I'm finishing first. I like it. I yeah, like it. I just think when you look at, uh, you know, we've talked about this, I think, on both Poke the Bear and Bruins Beat, that um, you just look at the rest of the, the division. Again, top to bottom, the Atlantic's probably the best division in the NHL in terms of just the amount of talent, not even factoring in Auto and Detroit and the strides they're going to make, but uh, Bruins are going to be treading water out of the gate. We know that we know they're, they're older. We know we need a lot of things to kind of go right for them to you know realize their potential, but it's not like every other team and, you know, that are viewed as these top contenders or, you know, don't have any faults either. You look at Toronto elite forward core. We all know that defense is better than it was in years past. Like they've got quite a few sturdy guys out there that can do their job. I have no faith in a goalie core with oh, no. Matt Murray and, and Sam Sonov. So, I mean, strike one there for them. Uh, Tampa, I have Tampa finishing second. I still think that core still in place. Vasilevsky still Vasilevsky and until he kind of runs out of gas. Um, he could single-handedly take you on a, a deep playoff run, but you just look at the fact that once again, they're losing more key pieces in their lineup between Plot, who is such an important middle six weapon for that team. Um, Ryan McDonough, who they had to go to, to Nashville. Um, I, yeah, I forgot that, just, that he left there as well. Yeah, He's in yeah, that's yeah. like happened so long ago. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just a team that they're very talented. But when you look at just the, the talent drain coupled with the fact that three straight trips to the Stanley Cup final, two championships, it's a team that just law of nature, right, just seems due for a second round exit. And then Florida is a team that I think is like a wild card uh, group in terms of where exactly they fit. Right. Because um, it's just a situation where you look at the, the amount of supporting cast that really exceeded expectation in terms of like the shooting percentage, even like where there's stuff that's due for a regression. Um, You look at that defense that you Yes, you add Matthew Kachuk, but you also swap out a 100-point scorer in Huberdeau and Mackenzie Wieger, who I think is one of the most underrated defensemen in the league. Look past that that depth chart after Ekblad. Not that great. No. Pretty terrible. concerning. So I, I think, it, listen, I'm not saying the Bruins are going to go on a warpath here, but and I think it's at the top of the Atlantic is going to be a lot of trading uh, first, second place throughout the season. But uh, I don't think it's a situation where the Bruins are – going to be not the punching bag, but the team that's going to be just trying to keep its head above water when it comes to avoiding kind of falling into that wild card spot. Ooh, I think they're going to be on a war path. So I have them second in the Atlantic. I do have them second. The only reason I have Toronto first is because I think offensively they're good. And if they're going up against defenses, you know, 
like Montreal and Buffalo and even in Florida, who struggles to, who's going to struggle defensively this year. I think Toronto can find its way into the first spot. Um, I, str- I almost put the Bruins first, but I just think the treading water thing may kind of hurt them with points. So I put them second. I put Tampa third, Florida fourth, and then Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo, Montreal. I think, you know, Ottawa and Detroit could probably be interchangeable, but I do think Ottawa is going to be a legitimate team this year. I don't think that's like, you know, they're not going to overtake any of the top four, but I think they're going to be in the mix. Um, so I'll jump right into where we think how they're going to do. I have them in second and I have Tampa in third. So they would play each other in the first round. I have the Bruins beating Tampa in round one. I have the Bruins beating Toronto in uh, round two, which is kind of, you know, just, uh, you know, beating Tampa, then Toronto, just all right. How about those Blue Jays? I have them beating Carolina in the conference final. And then I have them beating the Minnesota Wild in six for the Stanley Cup. I do. I, we've talked about this the whole episode, that everything looks good. And may, sometimes that's those are the worst situations. But I just think it's Krejci and Bergeron's last year. Things look pretty good if they can tread water. Like, And I know I, know I sound like an idiot saying that to some because they don't consider the Bruins contenders. But my God, as I talk about all these things and we talk about the holes in the Atlantic and how they don't have holes, I just, I have a tough time not putting them in the Stanley Cup. So I think it's Krejci and Bergeron's last year. I think they win the whole damn thing. And I think they beat Tampa, Toronto, and uh, Carolina on the way to doing so. Well, Evan, got to tell you, I had released my bull predictions and I had the Bruins winning the Cup. So, <laughs> did, uh, you have, did you have them facing Vegas last year? I did. I had them losing to Vegas. Last That's year, right. That's I have right. them. I have them playing. You know, you look at after this past season where it was Colorado and Tampa, two favorites going going at it in the Cup final. Going to have two underdogs, I guess, in the Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. I almost said the Blues. I, that was the, it. Would came yes. down to the Wild and the Blues for me because I thought the Blues would have been more of a like a harmonious end. Like oh, we're going to yes. finally take down the beast. And you know, you look at just how much that 2019 uh, Cup continues to kind of linger over this team and a, a franchise that you know looks at that as probably the one that really got away as they should. Um, I, I just think would be what, what better way to kind of cap off the, this chapter than to do that. And that's not just to say that we're saying that for the sake of. The narrative here, I, I do think this is a team that when healthy, you look at that top six, which is probably the best top six unit they've had in years. You look at McAvoy and the strides he can make when he gets back healthy. Lindholm, his addition, Grizzly, who's healthy. Uh, the lift that you can get from Montgomery and his systems and the tweaks that him and John Gruden uh, are making. The strides that you could see from someone like Swayman, DeBrusque, who's content and ready to hopefully put forth a 30-goal season. It's one of those ones where you look at it and maybe the initial instinct is like, ah, oh, they're getting too old or they're not going to be in the mix. or There's too many better teams, but you start dissecting the roster a little bit and see where there's room for improvement and where guys can really uh, thrive. It's kind of right there for the taking for the Bruins. You know, it's not out of the question to see that. And if it ends with them winning a game seven on home ice against the blues and joining Bennington, for quite the story. Wouldn't I don't it? think anyone would care if Bergeron and Krejci retired after that because that'd be the perfect That ending. would be a good way to do it, yeah. But anyways, Connor, we always love having you on as always. You can go check out Connor's stuff at Boston Sports Journal. He'll be down in D.C. this week with lots of features and videos and cool things for you. So it's going to be an all-encompassing experience from Connor. Um, uh, that is Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruinsby listeners have a great rest of your week. <laughs>